With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. I am so happy for you that you got the Lotus out. The heating pads worked. You're happy for me. I, I'm thrilled for you. You're happy for me. I, I, honestly. Driving sports cars in the winter is sort of revelatory, isn't well, it? Well, but just driving it, period. It, it Honestly, I last started it uh, the day after Christmas because I had to get it out of the garage because we were having some work done. Start started. I'm trying to wrap my head around this. You started it. The last then. time it started was the day after Christmas. So that's been like what three months as yeah. of this recording. And the last time it moved was a month before that. Oh my gosh! So, How were the tires? By the way, were they tires okay? Were okay. I, I mean, I, okay. I could. I mean, granted, it's not a heavy car. I, no, that's I, true. That's I true. could tell that uh, the tires needed to kind of. They needed to, to go in a circle for a bit. <laughs> they needed to roll. Didn't yeah, they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but they settled in okay. It was about forty degrees yesterday, okay. and, and you heard me on the last podcast talking about my insanity of burning a single track into my driveway, which I accomplished. I'm surprised you went out there with a hair dryer, a heat gun, like I in was the track of the driveway, melting everything. Because tr- last year it was ladling almost, the last soup year, out seriously. There. Last year it was almost April before I was in the car. Oh my gosh! So I thought I I, I it's because it's been warm enough and the roads have been dry enough, but my driveway is the problem. Yeah. So yeah. I, I had errands to run yesterday, and I got the Lotus started, and I took it, and it was uh, – here's the thing. I didn't really know how I was going to feel about it, having not been in it for four months and having driven the Phaeton almost sure. exclusively sure. since. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? The, okay, hang on. I was a child after driving this car. <laughs> I, I, for the next like two hours after I drove it for like 20 minutes, I was just walking around just happy, just, That's awesome. just giddy. That's but awesome. what was ridiculous is – and, and kind of surprising – the Phaeton is crazy comfortable. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's big, it's, heavy, fat, and comfortable. You know, it's got yep. great seat heaters, seat massagers. You got a bunch of room. You're just sure. lounging on your, you know, mobile couch. So, and so the Lotus, obviously, the other end of the spectrum of sacrifice. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But I remember how to get in, which is novel because there is a procedure. <laughs> and, I, and I do have the blip shift shirt. For those of you asking, I have the Lotus position funny, shirt. Funny. I bought it. It's awesome. But so I, I get in there, and once I start driving, and I'm like actually driving it, I realized. This is actually perfect to sit in. I don't know how they've done it. Hmm. To, to jump hmm. in it after not being in it regularly yeah. and having been in big, cushy madness that is the Phaeton, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can tell how thin the seat is in the Lotus. You oh, can tell of course. how of nothing there is everywhere around you, and yet yeah. they've nailed it. Sure, It's perfectly ergonomically awesome. And I was a giddy little child everywhere I went yesterday. And I did have a few people who snapped their necks like, wait, what is that doing out here? It was awesome. And I was reminded by how small it was when I sat behind a Honda CRV at the light Mm -hmm. looking at their bumper. I was going to say, looking up at their exhaust. Yeah, the Honda CRV is not a big truck. Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, my driveway has been clear, so I've been able to get the Cayman out once in a while. So I've been, I've been a little bit more fed, I guess, sooner than you. And so I, I just, I took it for a drive on Saturday and I was just loving it again. And so, but that's because I think it's been a bit of a mild winter compared to the snow we had last year. So the roads have been clear, but you're right. The driveway, I mean, Todd's out there like scooping stuff and heat guns and heating pads and everything. Right so about funny. right about mid February, it ices over, mm-hmm. and then I'm dealing with doesn't snowblower be damned. I, I'm dealing with ice, mm-hmm. and at mm-hmm. one point, seriously, I have sections on my drive more than you ever wanted to hear, but like eight inches thick ice. Yeah, just yeah. Well, and it melts and then it freezes overnight. Yeah, melts a little bit oh, more yes. and freezes again, and then we get yeah, a huge yeah. side side wind all evening, and it yeah. blows everything over, and it's awesome. There is coming actually on one of the next Phaeton pieces. In fact, the next Phaeton piece, you will see my um, <clears throat> frustrated attempt. 
to Uh-oh. use the Phaeton midwinter as just a snowplow. Oh, and failing yeah. nice. and burying it deeply nice. into my driveway, which is very fun. Thank God I got the Lotus out now, so the driveway's getting better. Good, good. I'm glad Thanks for hear. listening to the podcast to hear the driveway update, and we'll, we'll <laughs> the see you driveway next time. Update. Yeah. Well, speaking of Spectrum of Sacrifice, we've got a question from Anthony B. in Denver, Colorado, who apparently we've turned into an everyday driver catchphrase billboard, I, which I'm glad about. That's frightening. I'm glad your proclivities could align with ours. Exactly. Yeah. Well, he's, he's writing specifically about wanting that because he's got a high turnover in his car ownership for the last at least 25 years. He's been through a lot of cars, which yeah, you will hear. Time. And this is very much, he wants two cars, both at the ends. So we've got a shop for, you know, something big mm-hmm. and heavy for the mm-hmm. dogs and something just raw, screamingly lightweight and very Absolutely. sacrificial yes. at the yes, other yes. end. So we've also got a debate from Dennis F., who is a Honda guy. He's a Honda person through and through. Obviously. You noticed that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, you know, I, I need something for my wife first, but then what do I get? He's torn between two different Hondas, which we'll go into. But before we do that, we've got to get into some Geneva reveals. We've got to talk mm-hmm. about those. And by the way, Saturday is a repeat of the return. So the Supra, yep. Cayman S, and M2 competition, yep. that is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, like I said, a repeat from airing earlier in the season. It was, the, I believe, the first it episode. Was the, it was the, the actual premiere right? episode of season six. That okay. one is available so that on one Amazon is, Prime is repeated. and on Vimeo. And also it is, again, repeating this weekend early in the morning on Saturday morning. By the way, that is tomorrow morning. Happy Friday. Yeah. So yeah. you'll see that super piece. And I think, I, I always feel bad when I say this, but I'm pretty sure by the time you hear this or maybe a couple days later, all seven episodes will be available on Amazon Prime. I sure yeah. hope so. I'm glad they're... Finally coming through for us. So, yes, watch for that. And, uh, well, we've got to get into Geneva here because the 911 Turbo S was revealed. I'm I'm studying it more, and I'm just happy. I'm just happy that it exists. <laughs> 650 horsepower? You, you, you kind of called it, but yeah. What? Yeah. 650? Yeah. I mean, there's cars with more, but... In, uh, well, it means it's, it's, it's now like 100 down from the GT2 RS. I... Yeah, and it it's going to be. I just, I just like it. I just like it. Well, I do. Porsche has shown with the turbo in the past. I mean, their cars in general, but the turbo in the past. When a 911 has a hundred to two hundred horsepower less than its competition, it's every bit as fast as its competition. Well, that's just so it. It launches harder and quicker, and it's faster. A six hundred horsepower 911 is going to feel like a seven to eight hundred horsepower whatever else. I mean, now it's at the numbers that people have tuned their older 911 turbos yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. to get up to, and like, you know, they think, okay, now it's fast. This thing's going to be unbelievable. This, which I'm I mean, just excited about. It's funny because I, I, a part of me thought, honestly, thought we were going to reach a okay, we're done. We're going to go another way with the horsepower wars. But honestly, I think that the electric car reality is perpetuating it. In what sense? You mean because of the the electric horsepower numbers are getting so bonkers? The combination of the crazy numbers that electric cars accomplish, combined with the instant roller coaster launch feel that is now available to tons of people and shiftless feel. You you expect a lurch and a feel and an upshift, and that's not there. Totally, the people that have never and and I think this is honestly, I think this is most of us. Mm. There's, I think the vast majority of people that drive have never been in a car that could do zero to 60 in four seconds or less. Okay? And actually felt that, until, you mean? Until Teslas start showing up in your neighborhood. Yeah. And, and because they are so easy to access, everywhere and, and everybody's to curious ride. about the Tesla, For I sure. think now yeah. there is a general populace that is just aware of that kind of acceleration. And that is, I think, I do, I think it's given a shot in the arm and, and perpetuated the crazy horsepower wars from everybody. What, what are we, honestly, what are we doing 
with a 650-horsepower 911 that is just for sale. I don't mean like tuned is a different thing. It's just for sale. Lusting it after exists. it and wanting it desperately because that's why cars sell. And It's it, numbers. It's performance. Totally. That's why it's the it's, emotion it's marketing. Yes. of – it's not even marketing. It's emotion about the numbers. Marketing yeah. is one thing because marketing talks up – Average cars, and you think, well, the marketing seems to be way better than the actual car. But then there's cars with huge, crazy numbers, and that is why we're selling electric cars based solely on straight-line performance. Mm -hmm. All the YouTube videos, we're all comparing to 60s muscle cars, and that's why electric cars are selling. It's emotion. It is. It's emotion because as humans, we are all kind of – and everybody's different. Like my wife is on the extreme end, but we're all list makers. We're all making a categorized list in our head. Always about everything. That's bigger than this. This is smaller than that. That costs more than this. And so that big number is something we're all benchmarking always. Yeah. This is why, look, I was this kid. This is why if you are 14 and you are dreaming about driving, a car with a zero to 60 of 3.6 is significantly better than a car with a zero to 60 of 3.8. It's just better. It's just better. Yeah. It's better. It's better. Hey, this is continuing, yeah. And and I'm talking from the position of loving horsepower. I do. I love yeah. power. I also do love the power to weight. So it's not – I don't have to have 600 horsepower. But if I've got, like in my Cayman, mm-hmm. 300, 350 in a 3,000-pound car, it's still pretty quick. Did I'm you, happy about that. Did you see that email? A couple of weeks ago, we did a, we did a car debate here for a guy in Florida looking for a 500-plus horsepower mm-hmm. car. Yeah. He wrote back in response to what we had recommended – and he laughed because he described me, and I, as I quote, uh, as the, the guy that doesn't like horsepower. <laughs> and then he laughed about the fact that I said, just get a Hellcat. So, yeah, I am the guy that doesn't like horsepower, and you are the guy that wants it, which is one of the reasons that this well, works so well. I, I don't think that's really true. I do think you love power, <laughs> especially on track. I do think you love it. I was at the Lotus yesterday yeah. going, this is perfect, and this is tidy. Yeah. <laughs> So the turbo is out. There's also the Alpine A110 Legend GT, which now has warm amber leather coating the inside surfaces and the safety belts. Finally. I know. I don't know what yeah. they've been waiting for. So that car is uh, definitely on our list to drive. It's sort of like the French build a Cayman. That's what it I'm is. All, I'm all about driving that car. I, I cannot wait. Yeah. I think it's the middle car between a Cayman and a Lotus Elise. You think it might be the car that blends the two I of you? I think it's the possibly. blend of yeah. those, those yeah, yeah. two cars, you may be to right. be honest. You may be right. it's, yeah. it's not as powerful as a Cayman. It's a step down. It's lighter, but it's more of a substantial car than an Elise. I, and think, I think it's right in between I our two cars. I think we both wanted the Alpha 4C to be that, and it didn't quite get there. I agree with that. Yeah. Very interesting. We are... Longer story here, but we are trying to get the Alpine A110 into an episode of TV. We're working on it. We'll see where it goes. That's yeah. on the list. There's a lot. Yeah. Do you realize, honestly, you and I talked about this recently. We are not only planning season seven. We already have talked about two episodes that will be in season eight. It's just what we've got to it's do. Happening. It's all happening. It's really cool. All right. What else? Aston Martin V12 Speedster, which is just luscious looking. I mean, I don't know that I ever needed or wanted, but I just I love looking at cars. I need to look yeah, at cars on you. a daily basis. I don't know about you guys, but... I need to just yes. look at cars all the time. Daily basis, it's at a dealership, in a magazine, online. I don't care. Ooh, I need to look over there? at cars. I hear Step you. into my garage and just look. There you like, go. Well, and, and well your, this is cool. Your garage right now is the tools for the job. It's not yeah. bad. It's not it's bad. It's pretty I'm, crazy. I'm thankful for that. All right. So the crazy four-seat, three-cylinder Koenigsegg Gamera. 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 I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah, wow. Yeah. So Sasha Slipanov had a hand in developing this. He's the designer that designed the Bugatti Chiron. Mm-hmm. Also spent some time at Genesis, but has since joined Koenigsegg. Yeah. And yeah. on his Instagram is very proud of uh, this new project, which I'm astounded by. It's mega GT. Yeah. I love Koenigsegg for just dropping something else that nobody expected. And they're suddenly into four seats. And we thought, well, you can't do that because you're a fast sports car. Oh, well, four seat. Let's go four seat. And this is their first car they're doing with whatever their valveless technology is that, that Christian's Indeed. been working on forever Innovation. and had his own Volvo. And so all of that mm. is actually on on sale, if you will, in this car. Not like you're going to run down to your local dealer and get a – but you know what I mean. There it is on a road car while being a four-seat rocket ship with a price tag that – there are they eight figures yet? I mean it's just – Oh, man. I, their stuff is so crazy expensive. It it's is. awesome. It's incredibly cool. But Wow. All right, McLaren 765 long tail, 755 horsepower. Not that that makes it better, but the McLaren 720 is already good now. Here's the long tail flavor of it. Exactly. Okay. And then this car that I actually saw when I visited Icon 4x4 in 2016. Okay. You can believe it, 2016 or 17, I can't wow. remember. So I was there with uh, with another group and came across their 1949 Mercury Coupe electric. So they're mm. stuffing a Tesla okay. battery and powertrain into this thing. As you know, Icon 4x4 builds these derelicts. They're old-looking cars, but they've got modern underpinnings, yep. modern yep. everything. And the details are very finely crafted. You think, that's just a... A dull-looking piece of chrome when, in fact, it's nickel mm-hmm. plating. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, that just looks like old leather. No, that's ostrich skin. Everything's done at a crazy, crazy high level in a yeah. car that looks like you pulled it out of a barn and you were lucky to get it started this morning. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. which is, you know, I think kind of cool. I, I kind of dig it. See, I don't get it. You and I, you and I, I separate on I, this. I'm just like, like really? But okay. I like this because I saw it then and I thought, oh, this is going to be cool. They have milled billet blocks into a V8 shape that are the powertrain monitoring systems. And it's not necessarily batteries, but they've put that up front. So when you pop the hood, you think, well, that's a cool looking V8. No, it's not. That's not an engine. Interesting. That's just electric components milled into aluminum polished blocks to make it look like that. And so they've hidden this 85 kilowatt Tesla battery in the car wow. and the powertrain as well, and it gives you 150 to 200 miles of range, which is fine for a big, heavy car. But what I love is it resurrects old cars, and they're not mm-hmm. necessarily – it's not really a restomod, although I guess it kind of is. But it's heavy batteries in a car that was heavy then, and it looks heavy, and it's surprising, and it, is, it wrecks, resurrects old cars in a way that you never thought possible. That's what I love yeah. about it. It keeps the I, old stuff going. I think it's going to be more. I think it's going to be more common that we're going to see. I don't think look, look, common's the wrong word. I think we're going to consistently see that happening to old cars where people figure out how to take new drivetrains. And I think electric is a prime idea yeah. and, and resurrect these gorgeous shapes and not have to worry about where do I get a part for that engine from sixty? Years? Forget it. Right. Doesn't, doesn't I don't even care. It doesn't even matter anymore. I think that's going to be even more more. Reality. I mean, just cool, silent running. My brother-in-law had a 1950 Mercury, so I think he's going to be totally all about this. But he's busy with sobs currently. So anyway, <laughs> we've got to jump into the debate here. Yes, busy <laughs> with sobs. That's excellent. I like this. Yep. Cars are absolutely made to be driven, and we can't imagine a future without driving the cars we love. The folks at Haggerty feel the same way, and that's why they support our show. One of the many things Haggerty offers for people who love cars is insurance for enthusiast vehicles. This includes classic cars and trucks and motorcycles, but it also includes newer collectibles and boats. 
They also protect vehicles that go on track. That can be an actual race vehicle on and off the track or your personal vehicle on track for a high-performance driving day or a track day. In fact, we use Haggerty Track Day Insurance every time we drive the Cayman or Lotus or any of our own cars on our local track. It adds a huge peace of mind. You can learn more about Haggerty and quote insurance at haggerty.com slash everyday. Anthony B. is in Denver, and he says, I've got a car debate for you with hopes of purchasing both cars while we're still in the winter months here in Denver for potential off-season savings. You know the joke, Anthony. Did you buy the car? Then you didn't save money. True. That's true. the old joke. But but at the same time, if you live in a winter climate like we do, or if you just don't and you want to shop in a winter climate, buy a convertible in like February. <laughs> well, yeah. You'll get a deal. That person needs to sell that car. They need car. <laughs> to sell that car. Yeah. All right. He currently has a Lexus LX570 for everyday use, but he's realizing it's too precious to do the things he needs it to. Hauling around two, soon to be 320-pound plus pound dogs and sitting in parking lots like Home Depot. He has a hard time keeping cars for more than a year or two, even when he says he will. (laughs) So either needs something really special that would keep him captivated or something that he won't take a bath on if he sells it in a year or two. Mm -hmm. But he tends to do better when keeping them when he has two cars. So that's where he's headed is two cars and at the end of the spectrums of of sacrifice. Both ends. Something big and heavy for the Home Depot runs, the dogs, the family, all that kind of stuff. But I just want to say, if you've got a Lexus LX570 and that's too precious, can you coat the inside in Covercraft car cover stuff, the seat covers and the Possibly. cargo covers, yeah. and just not worry about it anymore? Could you yeah, do but that? Ex- he could. Here, just two, asking. Two I have to go there. On level one, he could because some of that stuff is borderline bulletproof and it would be awesome for dogs. The problem with Anthony, though, is he just needs to move on. He just moves on so yeah. much yeah. that he's realized he, – he, honestly, I feel like he has positioned himself that the fact that it's too precious is the moving excuse for why I must move on. The truth is he just wants to move on. I guess so. So, yeah. so but, the, but the funny thing here is he's actually saying I've owned – and he sent us a car list that honestly is maybe too long to even cover because it, if you can think of a car – Anthony's probably owned it. I pulled the highlights out, so we'll, we'll touch on some highlights. It's insane. Yeah. But, but he's talking about the fact that he's owned plenty of SUVs. Mm-hmm. But when he looks at this, he realizes what I really need is tons of cargo space. Right. And right. the ability for dogs to be in it and it not damage anything and I don't care. And so he's going, should I just buy an old beater minivan? <laughs> well, he says, do you, do you think as a 40-year-old executive with no kids, we can make minivans cool again? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I think it would do the jobs you just need. Well, yeah, but then you're still in a minivan. So I like your idea about a Ford Expedition EL. It's essentially the car that I've got, the yep. SUV that I've yep. got, and it's huge and lumbering and gobs of space. It's endless cavernous space in the back. And mm-hmm. again, anything you do buy, just cover it with all those cargo liners from Covercraft. Just, yeah, you're right. You then could. you won't worry about it. It doesn't matter. You do it with the Cayenne. I yes. do it with the Expedition. I've put the Cayenne it's one great. in the back of the Phaeton, and it's amazing how well it, the dogs can hang out in the backseat. Plus, they're now luxuriating. I'm now chauffeuring the dogs. So yeah, I'm not like chauffeuring the dogs. Put it yes, in the back of a Phaeton. It's absurd. But you're right. You could do all of that. But Just but, saying. But here's the thing. The van isn't a bad idea here. No. If you can find one for your Bring budget. Bring back vanning. Yeah. No, well, no. Hang on. Hashtag van life. Look out. It is exactly. a whole. It's a whole. You want to talk about beanies in the middle of nowhere. Oh, wow. Hashtag van life. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So there, that's going on. But, um, but you could do this. And because the other thing about it is I wonder if you buy a minivan. I, I, here I am selling a minivan to this person. But if you buy I'd like a to minivan. I'd to hear this. 
and you don't spend much money on it. But hmm. as a result, it just has that job. I think you're going to avoid any preciousness mm. because you're going to think, I have a minivan. Yeah. And so, but because what he's really needing is huge amounts of cargo. So he's talking about 100 uh, cubic feet plus of cargo space. If he really wants that, then I think it behooves you to buy the thing that is just utility. Because then okay. the dogs okay. are muddy. It's fine. Like something you can hose out after you're done. Well, that kind wh- of level? whether whether it's got that or not, you just you're not you're not concerned about it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I can see because he isn't as he admits he's not a minivan guy. A part of me goes perfect because I'll give you I'll give you a counterpoint. I am not a big sedan guy. Mm-hmm. And yet every time I drive the Phaeton, I go. Let me tell you five things that are great about this right here. Yeah, but is anybody a minivan guy or a minivan person? Like, I'm into minivans. Well, but see, but I think I think there are plenty of families that are not car people that will tell you all the things that are great about their minivan. And, and they're right. And, and, they're and, absolutely, absolutely right. You and I, the way we've used them on shoots where you practically open up the side door and chuck the Pelican case from five feet away. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, this is what they're good yeah. for. Yeah. So I actually am wondering, since Anthony is a car guy, he's never owned one, he needs something that is just utility. Part of me goes, buy it. You won't be precious at all. The dogs will love you, and mm-hmm. the Home Depot runs can get even bigger. And oops, the two by four went through that side window. I'll get it fixed eventually. <laughs> you know what I mean? Duct tape and some plastic sheeting. We're uh, good. That, that, that has that has carried many cars for many. I don't yeah, recommend this, has. but there's a whole fenders made of that stuff. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I I'm not all the way there in the minivan thing because I still want you to like driving whatever that is, and even if it's a giant SUV, I still think it's going to be better than a minivan personally. I, I, hey, the, the expedition is going to be rear-wheel drive. It has, it has a decent exactly. ride to it. Yours has a great ride to it. It does. I yeah. even upgraded to Bilstein's on it, and yep. it's, it's actually even tighter. With the summer wheels and tires on it, it's spry is the wrong word. It's the wrong word. But, but it, it's a little bit lighter on its feet, maybe? It's, that, it's the largest linebacker. I'm gonna, it's a sports reference. It's Uh-oh. the largest linebacker on the line that everybody goes, he moves really well for a big guy. It's that car. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It is. All right, so... On the other end of the spectrum, he wants something convertible, preferably manual transmission. He's okay. about six foot two, 225 with broad shoulders. He doesn't fit well in the small stuff. And I hear you on that, but as you've seen between Todd and I, I'm all legs, he's all torso. Yep. So that is, in my opinion, more important because of the length where your seating position mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. and your torso, because that definitely affects your head space, your yeah, headroom yeah. in the car, rather than your width necessarily. I think width is a little bit easier to deal with in, in a lot of seats rather than the, the spine height, torso true. height. No, if, if your head's legs. touching, you're just, you're just unhappy. That's yeah. true, yeah. So he says, doesn't fit well in the small stuff. The Miata, the Lexus Coupes, even the Focus RS all made him claustrophobic. Okay, okay. fair enough. He would drive it daily as much as possible, so it can't be full Lotus crazy. <laughs> That's but- a shirt. <laughs> I'm Lotus crazy. <laughs> full Lotus crazy. He'd love to carve canyons and maybe track it once in a while. And he says, I'm not in a midlife crisis, no matter what his fiance says, so he doesn't know about considering a vet. <laughs> There's been a conversation. Do you hear the conversation behind that sentence? I'm not. No matter what my fiance says, I am not having a midlife crisis. You're in an all-life yeah. crisis, like the rest yeah, of us. Yeah, you are. You're in a just, yeah, cars forever. Yep. He says, I've tried to explain to her, this is a disease I've had for 25 years. Has she, yeah. has she seen this car list? This is not a new problem for I'm Anthony. guessing she's experienced some of them, too. Hi, fiance, by the way, if you haven't seen it yet, have him show you his car list of these are the cars I've owned. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I, I, I probably bet you it's probably dwarfed in just sheer number. Forget variety probably dwarfed anyone she's known probably 
Probably. You have, you have a car disease, my friend, and, I, and, and we're not here to cure it. We're just here to encourage you and go, yep, that's a bad case. There it is. For sure. All right. Well, here is the crux of the debate, and that is assuming he pays cash for the van end of the spectrum. Does he spend thirty to $35,000 max, he's looking at me, with a car loan mm-hmm. on something like a 981 Boxster S or an early 997 Cabriolet or something else? Or does he spend fifteen grand or less with no car loan and get something older, higher mileage that he can just drive? It's mm-hmm. already taken mm-hmm. the residual hit. He says he mentions a Honda S2000, which he seems to fit in, yeah. or something more GT-like like a Mercedes SL, Audi A5 S5, something like that. He's had a Boxster 986, not a fan of the styling on the 987, so we can take those off. And he doesn't like Camaros or Mustangs, so Mm -hmm. those are off too. Mm -hmm. Or does he go back to his roots and find a nice Z32 300ZX again? Anthony's owned three. Three 1990s, by the way. Three in this giant car list. Three 1990s. A black one, a red one, and a yellow one. And the thing is, up until 96, they made up to 96, but the 91 to 95, they were steadily being refined. The 90s are kind of the, I remember when I had one, the 90s are the oddball, where it's like, you need this part. Unless you have a 90, and now you need this part. So I think it's interesting that he's not only owned three, but he's owned three 1990s of that car. I, I have to say it again, Anthony, I love it. I would like to have another one. If I have you know, some massive garage, let's hope so. If I have some massive mm-hmm, garage mm-hmm. with a bunch of cars in it, like a, a 300ZX to be in there. But I still think you guys should move on. I think we should not get another one of those. Some other highlights on the list are an 87 Supra. He's had a Lexus SC400, mm-hmm. a Mercedes SLK. He's had an LS400, the Acura TXS wagon. <laughs> and he's also had Porsche Cayennes, Jeep Wranglers, Ford Excursions were bigger than the Expedition. And he's also had multiple Porsches, 911, 2911, yeah. 02 911. Yeah. Uh, th- honestly, it's all on this list. I mean, the, the range is incredible. And there's a lot of stuff on here that enthusiasts will just dig into and just buy. I'll give you an example. Toyota Land Cruiser. There's people that just buy Land Cruisers. They bought nothing but a Land Cruiser ever. He's had them. Yeah. You know, we're, we, I mean, he's covered all kinds of Audi All Road. Yep, it's in here too. I mean, it's over and over again. And a lot of things he keeps cycling back to as well. Like there's more than one Land Cruiser on here. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. I love that you keep changing cars as much. I wish we could all do this this fast. No kidding. But the problem is we have to try to solve it for a little bit. Well, that leads me to this serious conversation we need to have, Anthony, about leasing versus your high turnover buying, Mm. because that costs just as much in terms of tax, title, and registration Mm. if you do the high turnover buying thing, plus you're losing money every time. You know how there's some amount down for leasing. We've got to have 3,000 down plus uh, however much a month or Uh 5,000 down. Sure. That's almost as much as you're already paying each time you do the tax title and registration. Interesting. I know you still have to do that with the lease car too. Yeah. But I'm wondering, is leasing for you? Because you do rocket through cars. It's a serious question. And could it be? Yeah, the monthly of your throwing down for thirty five cash, I wonder if the payment, the down payment or the payment you'd be doing per month, you actually might be getting to something that's a little bit higher. I like where you're going. I do. Well, I'm just wondering, will this turnover disease continue or yes. can you begin to live with a car longer than three to five years? You're living with them for two, for two so I'm asking yeah. three to five. That's, that's stretching, Anthony, but yeah. But if we're going for full spectrum of sacrifice, I like where you're going. The van is fine. The expedition is fine. How about let's push it further on that spectrum, more sacrificial to like a Defender 90 or a Defender 110 or an old Toyota FJ40. Problem is, it's not nearly much, enough space for what he, he wants. And I think he'd wind up feeling a bit precious about it. That's the I issue. I think the dog's in the back the and the issue. lumber in the back, and I think he's going to be like, 
do I want to do this with this car? Okay. That's All right. Because so, I like it. Yeah. I like it. And it would be a very new experience for him. But I think the preciousness factor would creep in. Then how about a Tahoe or an Expedition or just something yeah. like that with plenty of space and you can beat on it and you won't worry about it and it'll run. It'll be cheap to fix. The, Let's just do that. Just go back on Suburbans until you hit the, the, <laughs> the exact spectrum <laughs> yeah. of the amount you want to spend and uh, your your budget versus the year. Just try to find it. Because if you're going to look at Expeditions, you should look at the at the big Suburbans. And they've made them forever. Like a travel all from the 60s. Or it's craziness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. something. But I want to focus on the other end of the spectrum. Okay. And I love that you like the 981s. You've considered mm-hmm. those. And I highly recommend the 981. Just base came in. If you can get into that, I think you'd love it. But I don't think it's sacrificial enough for what you're looking for okay. because of your list. It's not like you're just starting out trying cars. You've had a number of cars. Big time. Big so time. Yep. many more than many people. Mm-hmm. So, how about, I, I think I do have your car, but I'm going to get there first. Okay. Some of them are kind of half-joking, like a Factory <laughs> 5818. <laughs> I have some fun ones to bring up for Anthony, too, yeah. How about a Flyin' Miata or a Monster Miata? Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's extreme. Mm-hmm. How about a Morgan three-wheeler? That's Ooh. just different and extreme. He's going to fit in a Morgan three-wheeler because three-quarters of your body is out of the exactly. car. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, half, I'm I, 49% I serious. Are. I see where you are, yep. Okay, getting more serious. How about a 427 Cobra replica? You want raw? You want horsepower? You want no sound deadening? And the pipes are next to your ears? How about a Cobra replica? Honestly. Sure, sure, sure. Fast. It'll take your head off. I don't care what year, what replica. It doesn't matter who builds it. Get one for 35. Holy moly. Okay. But then we need to start going towards the Lotus Esprit of the world. Could you get one for cheap? Sure. Could you get a Noble 400 something for that kind of money? Okay. Different sacrificial hey the first generation viper rt10 is sacrificial yeah i mean when your windows have zippers on them you know you're kind of sacrificing a few things viper wrangler what do they have in common (laughs) (laughs) but the car i think you should consider the most to my uh not chagrin wrong word but to my uh i I guess kind of depends on what you want to do and how you like it is the alpha 4c you need to go drive it Okay. If you're just tracking it once in a while, fine. If you're yeah, doing track yeah, yeah. duty with it, I would suggest something else. I, I agree with that. But for the kind of driving you want, it's got a carbon chassis. It's got plenty of power. Yeah. It will feel raw, but it's a modern enough car, and I think the prices are down where you could spring for one. Interesting. And it's different enough from everything else you've had. Yeah. I think 4C yeah, yeah, yeah. is your car. Because you're right. It's not full Lotus crazy. No. And, and the place where that car shines is as a spider – Yes, yes. On a back road. And it's still just sacrificial enough. Yeah. It's not super practical, but you could try to make it work for errands and a few yeah. things, but then you've got the Tahoe over here or totally. whatever. Because on a track as a hard top, it's not as good as it needs to be. Yeah. Trying to drive that, we've talked about it up one side and down the other. Try to drive it as hard as you can possibly drive it. You're not going to like it enough. But mm-hmm. watch our, our Pacific Coast Highway piece. When we first drove the Spider, it was per, it was perfect. <laughs> kind of was. was. It was perfect. It kind of We was. had a gorgeous day. Yeah. We were going plenty quickly, but neither one of us were trying to drive as hard as we could. And we just thought, this everything's aligned. This car just clicks right here. Yeah. I do like that. I yeah. haven't thought of it. That's really good. Just, just the convertible thing. Just well done. almost sacrificial. Well done. I have... I have a wild card for your van idea. Okay. All right. That I really like. Okay. And you're going to all think I'm insane. Okay. <laughs> he wants 100 cubic uh, feet of cargo space. It almost oh, has no. it. It's in the mid-90s. It's like 93, 95 cubic feet of carbon, car- I'm cargo I'm bracing space. for impact. 
Because here's the thing. You've never owned anything like this. It's a conversation starter. <laughs> They're ridiculously cheap. Okay. And you're not going to feel precious about it at all. Get yourself a Pontiac Aztec. Um, you didn't go minivan. Hmm. Well, go with me here. You didn't okay. go minivan. Listening. But but this is a ridiculously bad car that an enthusiast will strike up a conversation with you at a gas station. You're not going to buy any minivan on the on the planet huh. and have a conversation at a gas station. You could take your clapped out, run down, dog mud covered Aztec to a Cars and Coffee and have a blast. <laughs> Your minivan is going to be like, why'd you bring that thing? You see what I'm saying? He's such a car guy that I wonder if Anthony buys, kind of for the usability and kind of for the laugh, an Aztec and just uses it for the stuff. Wow. This is not sacrificial. This is the antithetical car. But you see what I'm saying? Because it can actually do what he needs it to do, but it's got enough of a, I can't believe I own this laugh factor that I think you might actually like it in a way you don't like the van. I actually like this idea in a weird way. I knew you would. I actually really like you it. You think I'm insane, and now you're kind of going, wait. I, I actually like it. it a lot. So, Anthony, there's my wild card for you on the van side is just go buy yourself an oh. Aztec and just take the rear seat out, leave it out. It becomes your dog hauler, lumber hauler, and also laugh riot. I mean, it's the conversation starter and stopper, but the fun to be had and the conversations to be had. Totally. And the, the beat on quality of that thing, you'll never care about it. Here's the thing. Which is what I love. The minute they stopped selling new, I was still living in Los Angeles, and they vanished. And I moved here like five years later, and the first time it snowed, I saw like six. They, they all still are out here, and they're being used like this as winter beater cars. Every year, my Phaeton, my first Phaeton piece that we posted on YouTube, mm-hmm. the, the end of that piece, I talk, commented about the fact that I happened to just in the wild pulled up behind a guy in an Aztec. Right, right. So I'm putting it out there. As my wild card for the for the utility car. This leaves more money to spend on the other end of the spectrum, Anthony. It probably does, Because yes. they're going to be cheap. They're going to be like five, six grand, yeah. <laughs> they might yeah. give you yeah, money yeah. to take it away. Please take my Aztec. I'll pay you. And it's GM parts, too. It's not like – that's the other thing about it. It's not huh. like you bought something that nobody's making parts for. I mean, body panels – Thank God, no. But but otherwise. So anyway, there's my thought. This is a historic moment. We've never recommended an Aztec ever. This is a historic yes. podcast. Yes. There you go. So wow. you, you like the S2000. I like that as well. I am going to say two cars that are hard top that I think you should consider, though. Okay. The 86. You've never owned anything in that range. Yeah. yeah. Get yourself a Scion FRS, uh, Subaru BRZ. Those are big guy cars. Big guys fit really well in those cars, and they are just fun to drive. And it has a lot of the Lotus style about it, but much more usable. I think you'd like that car and drive it a lot. I also wonder if you might be one of those people where it's like, I'm going to throw a supercharger on this and love it. Hmm. So 86 is on hmm. there. Another one you could get for your money that we don't normally recommend because the problem I have with it is it's way too expensive new, but they're out there used now. And you want to go a little hardcore and different and new experience, and you have Nissan in your background, get yourself a 370 Nismo. Okay, okay. Way too expensive new. But, but every time, used. Every time we've driven one, I mean, literally, we're like pull out of the pit onto the track. We're like, this is really well done. Yeah. It does stand up, even though we all want a new one and it needs to be refreshed, but it does stand and, up. And the Nismo is really, really well sorted. So get an, mm. an actual full Nismo 370Z. Those are my mm. two hard, hard top versions. And then my other one in the convertible range, you could get yourself a Jaguar F-Type. Oh, oh, yes. Yes, the Jag. That's like uh, They're that. out there. Convertible. They're nice. They run. Jaguar F-Type. Have a nice day. Here's the thing. Jaguar F-Type <laughs> parked next to your Pontiac Aztec in your garage. <laughs> or any of the other ones we've mentioned, the Alpha 4C next to your ass. It just uh-huh. works. Tell me it doesn't work, Anthony.
We're longtime users and big believers in Griot's Garage car care products. That's because while many other brands are just rebranded versions of the same few products, Griot's Garage has developed, manufactured, and bottled bespoke car care products since 1990. In fact, many of their first customers were collector cars displayed at Pebble Beach. Griot's is a family company based in Washington State, still dedicated to having the best products for every car and every budget. As a matter of fact, I learned my certified Paul-owned car care style from Griot's. We've both used Griot's Garage car care products on our own cars for over 20 years, and we wouldn't use anything else. If you're wondering how to get going, they offer free training and techniques through their videos and website and starter kits to help your car look its best. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all liquid products are made in the USA. They offer a 100% lifetime guarantee, so give them a try. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EVERYDAY for 10% off your order. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Dennis F. writes to us with lists of Hondas that he loves. Dennis is a Honda person through and through. He has multiple. He's actually currently restomotting a 96 Prelude, which caught my eye, Dennis, because I've never heard of anybody restomotting a Prelude. That didn't seem like a normal sentence construction, but okay. Yeah. I, I, I want to see photos. What are you putting in it? What, what's going in? Is this a, Honda parts. <laughs> is this like an NSX engine going in a Prelude and you're creating mm. some sort of monster thing that nobody's ever thought of? Is it the all-wheel drive system from... Some Acura, and you're dumping that? There you go. What is this car? A Prelude with the super handling all-wheel drive. That would actually be a cool build. Like, how much money are you pouring at this? I'm that concerned. You could leave money left over so we can buy more cars for you. Well, but here's the thing. He's resto-modding one because his wife drives a 99 Prelude he restored prior. Wow. All right. So, currently he's saving to replace his aging Honda Element with a Ridgeline, but he fears that he's missing out on the S2000. Those cars are not the same. And he's also tempted to blow his savings on an RSX-S. Okay. Honda, through and through. Honda and Acura, that's all that's on this list. Yep. As a side note, he says in 2010, his red 05 Hyundai Accent hatch was rear-ended and totaled. He passed on the Sport Edition Kia Soul and instead bought the aforementioned Element, mm -hmm. 2006. Weird, weird, like, left turn into Hyundai Kia. Now we're back at, I know, now like, we're back at Honda. What okay. was I doing? Yeah, back to Honda. That, that felt strange. i got to go back. <laughs> so 10 years, 150,000 miles later, he's still got the Element, although it's getting worse for wear. I didn't think that happened to Hondas. I thought they just shrugged off the wear and kept but I going. Think, but I think the Elements, I, I, I think they, they succumbed to the Elements. There, there I went. Because I think that anybody that bought them beat on them pretty hard. Uh, they got used for lots of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so he's owned a few second cars during this time. A 74 MGB Roadster, which he restored, mm -hmm. sold. It was running. 89 Prelude, bought as a shell, sold as a shell. <laughs> that means project <laughs> I never touched. That's what that means. And I think this 96 Prelude, Mouse Nest, it was dailied, and an 05 <laughs> Civic, which was gifted and regifted. It's a okay. white elephant 05 Civic. All right. Who knew? All right, so as you talked about, his wife has the 99 Prelude, but she wants a 2010s. Acura MDX okay. and is waiting for better credit, which is great. He says the 05 Civic was not a peach, but a fruitcake. It was a gift from an older coworker, gotten it as a hand-me-down. He said he used it for a commute for a year and then gave it to his sister last week. 220,000 miles and runs like butter. It's just, I, I like the white elephant Civic idea. It's just we keep <laughs> Next Christmas, I'm giving it to you. It's, it's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Keep handing it down. You like, know it. The next Christmas party you attend, you could give a car away. The problem is <laughs> it's the 05 Civic. Hey, but it is going to run. This is the good news. Anthony, what, uh, Anthony had fun before. We're now having this fun. I, uh, what are we going to do with you, Dennis? 
<laughs> All right. So he gave away the Civic, then the oil light came on, and his wife's prelude, and the brakes went out on the element. He says, all our cars got old when we weren't looking. Yeah, that happens. I, I feel happen. like I'm on the cusp of that right now. I'm realizing everything I own is 15 years old and going, that might not be a good choice. Yeah. <laughs> when the Phaeton is your reliable winter car, yes. you might have an issue. Yeah, you might. You might want to rethink that just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So he says, I think it would be poor form to buy himself name another car, a number, number of cars, while his mm. wife is still driving something from the 90s, so he needs to wait until she gets her MDX, which okay. is great. All right. In the meantime, he's been saving for a year at the rate of $4,000 per year. Do great. math, do math, folks. How much money does, does he have? Dennis has four thousand dollars. How did I get? It's like a word problem. I oh, get my son. It's great. Yeah. How many gallons of milk were consumed on the train from New York to? El- I don't know. All right. If he can nurse the element, <laughs> Trick, long, they don't serve milk on that train. <laughs> that's right. Trick question. Surprise. All right. So if he can nurse the element along for three to five more years, he can pay cash or put a large down payment on a lightly used second gen Honda Ridgeline. Uh-huh. His wife neither wants her MDX used for truck stuff nor wants his savings to pay for her car. Okay. So there's some, you know, give and take on both They're sides. They're trying, yeah, yeah. But he thinks he wants an S2000. You know, he says, remember, I had an MGB, but he's worried, you know, prices of the S2000s will do the same thing that the first-generation NSX did. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. says, fly away out of my reach like a lost balloon. On the third hand, he says, an Acura RSX Type S would make a great replacement for the Civic and oh honor gosh. his fallen accent hatchback. But okay. then... He says, ultimately, I should be saving for a down payment for a house. Yes. Well, we, <laughs> honestly, we all should be saving for something other than the car we're yeah. about to buy. We all should be, and we aren't going to, which is why you're all here with us, and we're glad about it. Uh, Dennis, mm, wow. Okay. Uh, first off, happy wife, happy life. I'm going to say that again. Okay? Make sure your wife not only likes what she drives, but it's reliable for her. Yeah. Just yeah. just and honestly, I've joked about it recently because it does make me laugh. Avoid that conversation I had with my wife who who's who's very nice to me about my car love with the whole which car am I taking? Because we're just everything has something going wrong. Avoid that. So yeah, don't do that. Um Hmm. All right. So he says so uh, thoughts here. he's saving cash. Well, first of all, at the cash savings rate that you're accomplishing, it should only take you two years to buy an eight thousand dollar AP one S two thousand. Yeah. Right? I mean, I went to art school. I'm not good at math. I can operate my iPhone. Agreed. Well, here's here, I, while we're there, let me mention this on his 2000s. Back to your question about them leaving and all becoming expensive again. Dennis, I think you're right. They will, but I don't think the ones you want will. Okay. You think just the I AP2s, think the ones. I think the ones that are going to nice ones? turn back and go really high are going to be the no mile AP2s. Yeah, or the CRs yeah. that they made for a while. They made the oh, S two thousand CRs in that blue with that, and then they destroyed autocrosses everywhere. Yeah, so I think it'd be those, yeah. and it's going to be the ones with no miles. The ones that you're finding that are AP AP ones. Okay, by the way, that that car, most cars have got the refresh in the middle, like with Porsches. We talk about the point one and the point two. Mm-hmm. So the refresh in the middle of the S two thousand is called the AP two. So the AP one has the digital dash with the RPMs that go all the way over the top in a full half moon versus three-quarters of the way in the AP2. Lots of other little changes. That's okay? the difference. That's the only difference. That's the only really. difference. Actually, the AP1s were a little more tail-happy, but as a result, that because it gets refined later, they aren't holding their value as well. And I think the AP2s with low miles, pristine, and stock, because many of them are no longer stock. True. Those are going to go up out of your reach if they aren't already. They're going to keep going. But an AP1 that's just been driven and has some miles, I think you could buy one now. I think you could buy one three years from now. I think they're going to stay about the same. 
Mm. Get ready for some tough love because I think you should sell the rest of modded prelude. I had the exact same thought and I put it under tough love as well. I, I, you know, Dennis, I'm sorry. I love the idea. I don't know what it is. And unless you're pouring money at it to make it super cool because preludes were fun, but the problem is they're front wheel drive. So preventing them from low power front wheel drive, I'm into high power front wheel drive, but they weren't in the era of the Fiesta ST where suddenly front wheel drive doesn't matter anymore. You know what I mean? Because they were so good and handled so well. Yeah. They weren't in that category yet. So buy the MDX as soon as possible. Okay. Get ready to sell that rest of modded prelude. Whether you finish it or not, think mm-hmm. find somebody that wants to take over the project or part it out or whatever that is. I know those are hurt, hurtful words. I'm not trying Completely, to make them yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But, well, but he would sell his uh, wife's 99 and the one that he's working on. What are we walking away with money-wise? Yeah. That way, it cuts down on the amount of cars you have, therefore leaving you more space, more wiggle room. For more cars. For more cars in the <laughs> this future. This is what we do. But it allows an easier conversation, I'll say. Hopefully, yeah. Now, keep saving for that S2000 because you can buy a Ridgeline anytime. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nothing is going to happen to the Ridgeline like we're talking about with the S2000. Fair point. They're Ridgelines. Yeah, yeah. They're just going to keep making them. The yeah, old yeah. ones will be available. They'll be fine. Yeah, they run. Yeah, yeah. Blah. Have you driven the MX-5 with the turbo yet? Mm-hmm. The MX-5 RF with the turbo? They're more money, but once you start selling all this peripheral stuff, Agreed. get your wife in the MDX, mm-hmm. and you're really pushing on the savings, you're saving even more, and suddenly you're able to put a nice down payment on an RF with the turbo, delish. It's the modern car. I hear you. It's the hardtop, so it's convertible. It's... Everything that S2000 is, I think, in a modern iteration now with in a lot of ways, yeah. the turbo. Dennis, I like it a I, lot. I like it a lot, too. Dennis, we're both kind of thinking tough love for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. It's going to hurt, but I'm going to say it anyway. I want you to make a list. If you need to put it in front of you like on a computer, do so. Put the word Honda Acura. Just put those words on one side. Okay. On the other side, make a list of every other car manufacturer. Oh. Every other oh. one made. And here is my question. Nothing? Any of them? You're Good point. just thinking Honda. You've owned Kia and Hyundai, but honestly, there's a lot of great cars out there. There's a lot of fun car manufacturers out there, and there is a level of pay-to-play. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. You and I are experiencing it with these crazy sedans, but come on. My Lotus, all, heck, all the stuff I've owned. There is that, that pending danger of what if it goes wrong. I, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. And clearly yeah. you had great experience with Hondas, and I understand you have Honda love, but one of the things we really want for people is – different experiences and branch out and do something new. This is all you're thinking about is Honda or Acura product. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it feels really weird, but I really want to encourage you for there's nothing else out there. Really? Yeah. I, I have to admit I'm kind of the same way. I need to take that medicine too, because I just think, okay, I like my Porsche. What's the next Porsche? I, I think that way too. I, I admit. Well, and, and look at what's, what's happened with you with Maserati. I've discovered Maserati. I mean, honestly, of, if you had made this list, Maserati wouldn't have even been a consideration thing. Now, no. granted, we live weird lives. So we went out <laughs> and bought weird cars on yes, purpose yes. because we're getting, getting content and fodder out of it, and you guys are laughing along with us. So we realize that's not a normal situation. But my point is you found things to love, as I have with the Phaeton, in cars you never actually thought you'd like. Yeah. Yeah. MC20. Come on, Maserati. MC20. Let's have it. <laughs> 
Guys, thank you for your questions. Write to us with your own debate, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Send us your topic Tuesdays. You are on social media too, and your car conclusions and your awesome debates. Keep it coming. You can find us on the website too on the contact button there. When we're searching for cars for this show or for our own crazy obsession, our searches always start with AutoTempest. Instead of searching each car site separately, you can enter all your parameters into AutoTempest one time and search them all at once. With AutoTempest, you can enter your search one time and see results from Cars.com, TrueCar, eBay, and many more. Or you can jump to Craigslist, AutoTrader, or CarGurus without entering anything new. They just added a link to Facebook Marketplace, too. AutoTempest can help you find your next new or used car. If there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the entire country. So if you're doing your drive homework, you're chasing your dream car, or just looking to feed the disease as we always are, head to AutoTempest.com. All the cars, one search. Jump into questions. We've got a ton on here. Compliments to you guys for all your great questions. I'm jumping to Twitter. And Simon, MI5Mantle, said, if you had your own car brands, what would you call them? And what would be the brand ethos? Mm -hmm. Luxury? Speed? Speed at a competitive price? What would the motto be? What would it be? Mm. Okay. I'm not quite sure what the name of my car company would be. I think it takes a big ego to do it, but I will give Elon Musk a point for not naming his car company after himself. It's because he was a first investor, not the person that started it. I hate to say it. I'm trying to give him a point. I know. You are. I'm desperately trying to give <laughs> him a point. <laughs> you're preventing me from giving so, him a sorry, point. Sorry. You, you, you're making a good point, though. Keep going. It's, it, not, it, it's not the Musk. I agree. Nobody's driving a Musk. Thank God. It just doesn't sound right. It doesn't. The Elons know better. It, it really isn't. It really but isn't. Throughout history, just about every car company is named after the founder, after the You're person right. who founded it. You're right. It. Absolutely. Yep. So a point to him for naming his car company after the technology. Same thing mm. with Trevor Milton, who has named his electric class A semi-truck company after Nikola, the Nikola. Yes. So mm. it's not the Milton. We're dropping. Can we have a Milton. Nikola transport truck that's hauling a bunch of Teslas? It's going to happen. Can we just please do that? Oh, it's going to happen. I want that photo because there it is. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're going to get together and somebody's going to figure that out. Mm-hmm. They're going to do it. But throughout history, like I said, everything. I mean, Horace Dodge and You're right. You're Chevrolet right. and everything. Just right. Malcolm Bricklin. You're absolutely right. John DeLorean. Name uh-huh. the car. Keeps going. I mean, I like Porsche, but it has to sound right. Mm-hmm. I don't see anybody driving the schmucker. I just don't. <laughs> because, you know, the, the short for that. You just yeah, anyway, the yeah. You're off the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it devolve into that. So I don't see it. So it would be... It would be something that that uh, is, I don't know, non-threatening, non-specific, I guess. So okay. it would take me a while to come up with the name. I see be, how the name is something you get stuck it, on for a while. Plus, really then crucial. you have IP, and then you have who ha- already has that URL, and suddenly mm-hmm. you're changing. This is why the Grand Tour finally became the Grand Tour. They went through like 50 names trying yeah. to figure out what could it be that somebody doesn't already own. I'm not saying it was boring. So I'm, yeah. I'm still working on that, but... My company would either be a company similar to Koenigsegg, power, speed, technology, mm-hmm. innovation, luxury, exclusivity. I'll give you an, a kitchen design example. Okay. When I was in my furniture design days, we talked about would you rather design five or ten really beautiful high-end kitchens with you know really great details or a flat-pack IKEA kitchen? Okay. As a designer, which yeah. would you rather do mm. that sell to 20 million homes? Mm. Which would, where do you want your products in? How do you want them to be perceived? It's a fair question, and you yeah. could answer yeah, it either yeah. way. So 
I, I'm leaning more towards the exclusivity part to really concentrate like Christian von Koenigsegg is doing. The other company would be a 60s cars that never existed. Interesting. Ferraris, Jaguars, and Aston Martins. So it looks like those, and you think, is that a... No, that's a little different. But the shapes are evoked I in like the, that. the old manufacturing techniques, like an English wheel, and that's just mm-hmm. how they made them. But it's sixties cars that never existed that give you the feeling, the same feeling as a Jaguar F type, but it's I not. I like it. That I like a lot. You would do that well. Like bring back beautiful form language mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with modern running gear. That's why I like Icon four by fours and derelicts so much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's different. It's now beautiful design bespoke designs. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I still think you can make a lot of money in bespoke and niche cars for manufacturers doing that. I mean, electricgt.com is doing the Ferrari three oh eight electric conversion mm-hmm. with a manual transmission. Yeah. Let's take yeah. it further than that. It could be an awesome engine. It could be electric, but it's bespoke bodywork. I like it. I'm not saying I want to go down the Fisker route because he was just coach work on top of Mercedes SLs and BMWs. That's not what I'm talking about, but just something beautiful. 60s cars that never existed. Very cool. While you're on Twitter and while you're talking design, did you see uh, Hans Hong's question? I did. I have to call you out here. He says he just <laughs> found our podcast and he was very surprised. It's not why he found it. To hear that you, Paul, went to Art Center because he's currently going to Art Center. And so he says, and I'm doing this to call you out directly, Paul. <laughs> all right, all right. He says, do you still sketch, Paul? And if so, would you share? <clears throat> I am, I, folks, I am, I'm, I'm trying here. I'm trying <laughs> to get Paul to do a series on design. We talk about it often. Yeah. We're working on gear. I remind him, I am, tr- I am, I am here for you. I am trying. All right. All right. He's working on it. We're going to actually have, beyond just sketches, Paul's going to be taking designs of cars and actually fixing them. I'm putting that in quotes. He's saying, (laughs) you went this way for these reasons. Why not go this way for these reasons? Now, he's operating in a world where you don't have the checks and balances, which is what's kind of fun about it. Because when you sit down and talk about that stuff, I just kind of sit back and get silent. And I don't get silent often. (laughs) So hopefully that's coming soon. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm called out officially. I appreciate it. All right. So what else? Uh, other questions you've got on here? Michael Newsom, he says, I know, I know this is not quite apples to apples, but okay. Charger or Julia and why? Mm. Now, Michael, I think the answer here is the kind of driver and the location of where you are. Mm. If you're a person who likes power and lives in Texas or Florida, Charger. It's just big, comfortable bruiser, tons of power, mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. I mean, God attitude. You've got an on-ramp and 100 miles ahead of you. Let's go. Okay? But if you drive like I do, you like light, small, agile stuff, and you have the roads to match Julia every time. Fair enough. Petrolhead80 was watching the last episode of Season 3 of The Grand Tour where the trio did a documentary on the Ford Cortina. Remember that? And how it became the backbone of British society. What car do we think was the backbone or is the backbone of American society? I dug into this. I'm interested. According to the American University in Washington, D.C.'s Kogod School of Business and their 2019 Auto Index Made in America ranking, it ranks the Corvette as number one according to parts and final assembly. Interesting. The Mustang is important too, but it's ranked 15th on that same list according to parts, sharing, and final assembly. Okay. And despite final assembly being in the U.S., only 46% of the parts are U.S. or Canadian made in the Mustang. Mm. Now, I know the, you know the manual transmission is made in China. At least maybe the prior generation was. But yeah. 
that is important. But if the argument is solely based on perception, both the Mustang and Corvette are in the similar position. I see that. If we're yeah. taking yeah, yeah. the technicality out of it and just, what's the perception of both of these cars? They're just American muscle cars. Sure. Because, consider this, you get a Mustang sometime in your life, the perception in the past. You just you get a Mustang at some point because you're yeah. a car enthusiast. Yeah, yeah. But once you retire, then you get the Corvette. The kids are grown and they're all completely finally out of the house. You know. <laughs> And so you get a Corvette, and that's been the generic perception, but that is changing dramatically with okay. both cars, which I love. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah, need sure, a change sure, to move sure. on. But a large part of past American car culture is about speed, drag racing, and cruising in the past. That's also morphing and changing because sure, of sure, sure. Teslas and you know all that kind of thing. But that's been in the past. So those two cars I'm calling out. I'm sort of leaving the technicalities out of it, okay. even though we could you know have an endless discussion. But Mustang and Corvette, that's kind of in the backbone as far as American car culture. I see where you're going. I, I actually wonder, because the Ford Cortina, part of the discussion there was the fact that it was a complete everyman car, and they kind of loved it and loathed it simultaneously, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. makes me wonder about the K car. Is it the American equivalent of that discussion? That could be. That could be. I, I, don't, I don't like them, but there was an era <laughs> where it was just like almost everything is K car or K car thinking. Which, by the way, this is not K car Japanese. This is K car Chrysler K cars. Lee Iacocca yes. and everything was essentially made from the same idea. It's before Volkswagen even did the MQB platform and made everything off state platform. Yeah, Chrysler did this, could be. and it changed the industry for a time into boredom. I'll note, but anyway, I wonder about that. It did. It did shape a lot, mm-hmm. and people loved them and hated them. Price because you could finally afford a car, yeah. a new car, yep. and you know hated them. For everything else. <laughs> for all of the other stuff going on. Uh, let's see. This is Ch- uh, Cham, Cham MJ. He's listening to the podcast for a while. He enjoys our YouTube stuff. He doesn't have Amazon or mm. cable. He feels like, you know, I have enough subscriptions. So he d- is a subscriber to Motor Trend On Demand. Are we on there? Mm-hmm. I want to clarify this again. I know there's a lot of ongoing confusion there. So I'm just I'm trying to not go too far. But here's the thing. We are on Motor Trend Cable Channel. Yes, we are yes. independent producers on the Motor Trend Cable Channel, which means Motor Trend doesn't own our show. We own the show. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, Motor Trend On Demand essentially puts things on demand that they either own or license they put on the app. They don't pay a, us an additional license fee, so we are not on their app. Mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. it's very confusing, but that's the deal, which is why we put it elsewhere. It's on Vimeo for all international markets, and it is on Amazon as well. We have six seasons on Amazon now. The first four are free on Prime. As they as seasons get older, they become free on Prime. I hear you on all the subscriptions. I'm going to say this real quickly. This is odd. I read a stat once where 75% of people that have Amazon Prime have it for free shipping. Many of those people don't even know Amazon has content. You're kidding me. That's changing. It's changing. The first year and a half, that was the stat. Holy moly. Prime is just associated with free shipping, and that's it, and that's all the benefit I get. Exactly. So my my question for you is, do you have Prime and just don't watch it up? Do you get free packages from Amazon? You might. Because if you've got Prime, then you've got Prime. Exactly. Then you've got the ability to watch. I, I also know that it means extra money for, for stuff. But honestly, the reason that I have it with my wife is free packaging because we live apparently too far from normal mailboxes. So a lot of stuff comes in Amazon boxes. So I get to watch stuff as a result. But I hope that clarifies a little bit of how to get it. I'm sorry that it's not on the Amazon uh, – pardon me, not on the Motor Trend app. If they would like to pay us a little bit to have our content on there because let's be honest, it would make them money. We would have that discussion. Mm. There's a question from a prior posting on Facebook from Ryan Chang asking, why can't cheap cars be beautiful? 
Let's find cheap, but if they're inexpensive, have you checked out what Mazda's doing? Have you looked yeah. and really looked yeah. closely at the the curated shut lines and the way the urethane body uh, uh, bumper covers meet the body? Some car manufacturers just draw a line and, okay, that's where we need to do it because we need to have that pull off there. And because of tooling and manufacturing, let's just draw a line. Mazda is designing that line. Super clean. Yeah. On the Mazda 3. That's a cheap car, right? Can we all agree that the base Mazda 3 is pretty much a cheap car? The the CX-3 is cheap. The the Miata is cheap. I mean, the base versions of all these cars, inexpensive for new cars. Look at the lines and what they've done where the washouts end and where new Mm -hmm character lines start down the hood and then look at the surface it's not too full it's not too thin mm, and that mm. that just means the swell of the surface it's yeah, not yeah, yeah. puffed out too much it's not just flat it's just got a nice curvature in there and to get that out of the manufacturing it's one thing to design it it's another thing for the people who make it to pull that design and make it right yeah, it depends yeah, yeah. on how many times that yeah. sheet metal is stamped overpressed and then it springs back just slightly because mm, of the mm-hmm. steel material itself sure, or for sure, aluminum yeah. And coaxing that shape out, that's such an art form. I, I want you to appreciate that. But I do take your point. Most cheap cars are ugly. Yeah, a lot of times. That's because it depends on what the size is. An Aston Martin, long wheelbase, beautiful flowing lines. Mm. It's a GT car. You can you can really stretch the lines sure, around the car. Sure, sure, yeah. Versus a small compact car is many times less expensive and it's harder to make beautiful long flowing lines that are really sexy and attractive on something so small look at what aston martin did when they made the signet they took the smart car and they made the aston martin signet yikes the s2000 is a great example of pure form just Mm -hmm. pure surface without any real you know hard edges it's just Pure surface. Mm. Your Lotus Elise, even though I don't consider that cheap necessarily, it wasn't to to start with, but yeah. they're now inexpensive. Yeah, that's a small car with a beautiful design. There's a there's a much bigger car's design put on that car, and, and it, it does still works. work. You're it right, just absolutely. Works. It still right. looks, yeah. looks so beautiful. Caymans are that way, even though mm-hmm. those are expensive and so, getting bigger. But yeah, you know, the, yeah, yeah. I, I take your point. But right. it usually depends on just size, and then again, how much investment are car companies putting mm. into coaxing that shape and really paying attention? Are they just satisfied? all right, just, you know, two or three, you know, stamps of the sheet metal and all right, we're good with it. And we're not trying to do something really fine and beautiful out of that surface. It's just, you know, we'll tack on some cladding afterwards to kind of make it whatever. That was Pontiac's demise, I think. <laughs> cladding and rounded buttons. Yes. Coloradical on Instagram says, what are our thoughts on the Subaru Crosstrek? He hasn't heard us talk about it. Mm. We do talk about it now and then. If you'd like to see a piece on it, we actually put it in a five-seat Phenoms piece that's part of season three. You can watch a big discussion about that. They sell really well. There's a lot of good things about them. They are CVTs, which we don't like too much, but they are go anywhere, do anything, which is good. Uh, Driver Focused said on the other end of the spectrum, quick question, is a Lotus Evora still worth it without the supercharger? Oh, I like that you're taking this. Short answer, yes. Here's the the thing about the Evora. The first time I ever drove it, I drove it without a supercharger, and I drove it on a track. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And halfway around the first lap, I realized, yep, this could take 100 more horsepower. Okay. It it was still very fun. It was still really agile, and it still it didn't feel slow. But mm-hmm. I, I would liken it to the base Cayman. Okay, okay. If you drive a base Cayman, it's a Cayman. The handling's excellent. Yeah. The interior's very nice. All the interaction's really excellent. All of the ergonomics and the pedals and everything. You're enjoying yourself. You're just aware, this could go faster. 
This could be more powerful, and it would be fine. It wouldn't be anything the least bit scary. That's the Evora without a supercharger. If you are considering an Evora without a supercharger versus an Elise or an Exige with a supercharger, I had a question like that. Which oh, one of those? Oh. How usable do you need it to be? Uh, the the sweet spot of uh, Elise's is 08 and up factory supercharged. Those are so nice. But they are still much more raw and less usable than a base Evora. So if you want any kind of usability, you're going to want the Evora. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. I always thank you, but you're always coming through yeah. for us. And it's you that really make the podcast. Thanks for telling us what's on your mind. We appreciate it on social media. Thanks for following. There's so much more to come. And so we're much. looking forward to it. Cheers, everyone.